wonderful opportunity to preach the gospel and also to change, as it were, human history from that point on. God made an awesome decision, a decision by his own divine wisdom to make it possible for Europe, the Western world, to receive the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, establishing churches. And you think about today, in the Western world, we have the technology. In the Western world, we've had years and years and years of preaching and teaching the gospel. There are enough resources and technology and people in this country alone to witness the gospel of Jesus Christ to the entire known world. And God has given us that wonderful opportunity to Paul, when this was going on, it certainly had to be strange to him because the other part of the world was so much uh, uh, easier and so much better known by him. And so here's God saying, no, you can't do this. Now watch this. There'll be times when God will shut doors in your life and mine, and there seems to be no human reasoning that you and I can justify that. You and I can't afford to live by reasoning. We must live by the promptings of the Spirit, which is exactly what happened. When the Spirit of God speaks to you, he is not going to call you by name. He's not going to scream and holler. He's going to give you a very quiet prompting in your conscience, in your spirit. He gave to the Apostle Paul a vision that made it very, very clear in his mind. Now, you ask me, well, have you ever had any visions? You'd probably go out and quote me saying all kind of things. I'm going to make this real clear. The answer is yes, and I can tell you how clear it was. I was about to make a mistake, and I'd been praying for a number of days for God to show me what he was trying to say to me. One night I got on my knees asking God, Lord, you must show me what to do. And this was my third night crying out to God, and I'd been preaching in a revival, and I'd come home at night being very disturbed in my spirit, and God said to me very clear, here's what I'm going to do. And I said, Lord, when? I've only been here for a few months. When? I can remember this. It's photographed in my mind. All of a sudden, quickly, just about like, here's this screen in front of me. Bottom left-hand corner, right top corner, in big, bold, black letters, September. He knew that at that point in my life, I needed desperately for him to make it so clear, unmistakably clear, what I was to do. And I made the right choice. I made the right decision. You know what? I would have been an absolute fool not to have done what he said to when he made it so clear. I believe the Apostle Paul saw it just that clear. He saw it so clearly. He knew it was the voice of God. He did exactly what God told him to do. If I had not obeyed that simple vision that night, you wouldn't know me. I wouldn't know you. I wouldn't be a part of this fellowship, and we wouldn't be preaching the gospel all over the world. There are moments in time when you and I must listen carefully to the promptings of the Spirit. Now you say, well, what's a prompting of the Spirit? Here's what it is. The promptings of the Spirit is the work of the Holy Spirit doing what? Urging you, nudging your spirit to do something specific. 
And that's, that's God loving us and protecting us and redirecting us about something we're about to do that's not of him. And so the Apostle Paul, listen to what the Spirit said, he, he heard and he saw this vision. And you say, well, should I pray for visions? No. I've never prayed for a vision. Never. Have I had many? No. But here's what I've noticed. When they were extremely, very extremely important. God knows when you and I want to do what's right and need what only he can show us at the moment what is right. Why? Because he loves us. So you don't pray for visions and you pray for some kind of sign. You just ask him. Now, watch this. If I'm willing to listen to those quiet, simply nudgings of the Spirit, then if I need to know, know more than that, and if God needs to send somebody specifically to me to speak to me and to clear my mind and help me to see a particular thing that I need to see, he'll send them. Or he may give you just that, and just about that fast, you know it's him. Paul listened to the prompting of the Spirit. He happened to have seen a vision, and he obeyed exactly. He could have said, oh, I just had this crazy dream. But he obeyed exactly what God was doing. And what happened? God, listen, redirected him not only to greater service, but to greater fruitfulness. Thanks for joining us today for In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. When God does not open a door that we thought or hoped he would, it's for our benefit. The question we need to consider is, do I trust the Lord enough to obey him, even when it looks like I'll be disappointed? We'll hear more about confronting closed doors tomorrow. To review what you heard, click on Today on Radio at InTouch.org and look around our website to find many resources that can encourage your faith to grow. And head over to the bookstore if you'd like to order a copy of today's complete message, Confronting Closed Doors. Again, that's InTouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. You can write to us at InTouch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. Is it possible to open a door that God has shut? Maybe, but you may not like what's on the other side. Today's Moment with Charles Stanley is just ahead. Are you living a life of preferences or one that's based on God's Word? To enjoy a strong life, one that makes an eternal impact, we have to break free from the factors that make us weak. In Dr. Charles Stanley's book, Standing Strong, believers will find encouragement to construct a life based on the strength of enduring faith built on uncompromised biblical convictions. To order your copy of Standing Strong, call 1-800-IN-TOUCH or visit intouch.org. In Touch Plus is streaming on Local Now, featuring all the best of Dr. Charles Stanley. We're to have strong convictions based on the Word of God. He's working out things that you and I would never know about in our future. In Touch Plus, your streaming network for quality Christian programming 24-7. Now watch this. In Touch Plus, streaming free on Local Now. You're listening to In Touch. How do you respond when an opportunity is closed to you? Learn what believers should not do in A Moment with Charles Stanley.
the wrong response to a door that God has closed is to try to get it open. That's the wrong response. All you're doing is opening yourself up to disappointment, discouragement, despair, disillusionment, pain like you've never known. Why did he shut the door? To protect us from all of that. Don't try to jam open something that God's trying to protect you from. Because remember this, if you can get on the other side and look back and see what God sees, you'd say, oh, mm -mm -mm, I don't, God, keep it locked. Don't ever let that open. Because he knows what's on the other side of our foolishness, our sinfulness, our wrong attitudes, our wrong desires, fleshly desires. We think it's exactly what we need in life. And God says, don't touch it. A closed door is disappointing initially, but you can choose to trust God and move forward in faith. For help with that, search our resources at intouch.org. And if today's program has encouraged you to anchor yourself in God's Word, we'd love to hear from you. Tomorrow on In Touch, we'll hear more valuable instruction on how to handle the disappointment we usually experience when our expectations aren't fulfilled. That's Thursday on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at our ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. A decision by the Supreme Court of Alabama that the state's wrongful death of a minor act applies to, quote, all unborn children regardless of their location, including extrauterine embryos stored in cryogenic nurseries, has resulted in at least three fertility clinics suspending in vitro fertilization services. In an interview on the Daily Podcast, New York Times reporter Azeem Gerezi claimed that the decision, quote, puts all fertility care in Alabama in limbo. It sets a huge and quite scary precedent she said, for anyone who's undergoing IVF, anyone who works in the fertility industry in Alabama, who is working with these embryos, who are suddenly considered children. End quote. Well, that panic, which has been typical of the media coverage about the decision, makes sense given the court finally addressed the central question of IVF, a question that the IVF industry has largely depended upon not being answered in order to grow and to expand. In reality, the court's decision has only put a certain kind of fertility care in limbo, fertility care that involves the creating, the storing, the preserving, and the destroying of human embryos. Given that approximately one and a half million embryos left over from IVF services are currently being stored in freezers in the United States, the vast majority of which are destined for either destruction or donation for medical testing, asking the question, what are they? Well, that was long overdue. Even if late in coming, pro-lifers have been right to celebrate this small bit of ethical clarity for an industry with little of it. During IVF, eggs are fertilized with sperm in a lab. Often, multiple embryos are created and tested for viability before being transferred into the uterus of the mother or a surrogate. This is done in rounds of one to five embryos at a time. If a pregnancy occurs, the remaining embryos are frozen. Pro-lifers are right to celebrate the court's recognition of the humanity of these embryos and its imposition on an industry that until now has been an ethical wild west. However, at the same time, the decision fails to answer another question. If an embryo must be considered a child if destroyed by accident, 
What about when it's created, when it's stored in a freezer, or when it's destroyed intentionally? The three couples involved in the Alabama case wish to hold the clinic responsible for the loss of their embryonic children. But, as the court's opinion plainly stated, Quote, the Fondies elected in their contract with the center to automatically destroy any embryos that had remained frozen longer than five years. The LePages chose to donate similar embryos to medical researchers whose projects would result in the destruction of the embryos. And the third couple agreed to allow any abnormal embryos created through IVF to be experimented on for research purposes and then discarded. This ruling creates, or at least reveals, a legal contradiction similar to that which exists in states with both abortion rights and double homicide laws. If a pregnant woman and her preborn baby are killed, the perpetrator can be charged with two counts of homicide. And yet, if that same woman escaped the assault and drove to an abortion clinic the same day, there would be no charge of homicide, legally speaking. So, while we rightly celebrate this decision as an incremental step toward the protection of preborn lives created in the IVF process, the embryos in this case were already being treated in precisely the way the plaintiffs accused others. Eventually, that legal inconsistency has to be rectified. The best outcome is if this decision is a first step in reigning in the IVF process, so that one day, so-called extrauterine children will no longer be treated as commodities. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Dr. Heather Peterson. For more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org.